Hey, welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have Dan Roshan on the podcast. Dan, welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Hello, John. Thank you for welcoming me. Absolute pleasure. So I like to start off every single podcast with a bio of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Okay. Well, thank you for asking me that. My name's Dan Roshan, and I help uh, I help people sell real estate. So I've been a real estate agent since 2007. I got my license to really help people to be able to uh, solve their problems and achieve their goals. And I have, um, in 2008, I was able to buy the brokerage that I worked for. I owned that for 10 years. It was a Keller Williams Realty uh, franchise. And uh, sold that in 2018, which uh, I then wrote the book, Real Estate Evolution, The 10-Step Guide to CPI, which is Consistent Predictable Income, and um, began the uh, CPI community. Of, and today I coach agents and I sell real estate. Fantastic. Now, here's the thing, right? Nobody grows up and as a six years old or seven years old or eight years old or nine years old and said, I'm going to be a real estate agent. Right. Usually, except for my daughter, my daughter, we've instilled that in her brain, you know, but that's what she's going to do. <laughs> no, well, that's because she's got the influence from you. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. but without influence, that's usually not the default. I agree. I agree. So with that being said, what did you envision yourself doing growing up? You know, I, I don't think I um, had a clear vision for what I would do growing up, except I knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I knew I was going to help people in some capacity or another. I just, I didn't always see the way, you know, I was the guy, I remember 16, 17 years old, taking my car to the car wash and taking a look at the exterior of it and thinking, okay, how much are these guys paying for rent? How much are they paying for salaries? How much money are they making and counting how many cars go through there? Right. So I always knew that I was destined to, uh, to be a business owner. Uh, I didn't know how. I mean, in in before I got into real estate sales, I was a waiter at a high end steakhouse, and I was seeking like, what is my way? And I I didn't quite know, you know, because at the time, all that I knew was my two careers in my life was the military and waiting tables. Uh, but I'll never forget we we're sitting there scooping some butters on Eagle Island, uh, which is where we were getting ready for shift. And my buddy Bill says, "Hey, Dan, you ever think to be a real estate agent?" I had it, and that's uh, where I got the first sort of inkling to say, you know what, here's a business that I can get into with uh, opportunity in front of me where I can help people, and uh, that was the beginning. Right, that makes sense. Now, you said you had a brokerage, Keller Williams. Yeah. And you sold it in 2018. I did. Why? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> um, well, ultimately, it was because um, – at the time I was chasing two rabbits and when you're chasing two rabbits and they're not necessarily in sync parallel, it, you're going to catch none. And so I, I, the reality of it is, is I got into real estate owner brokerage uh, too soon. You know, I was only a licensee for less than a year and a half when I bought the brokerage and I didn't have the opportunity to really develop my own sales business and because I wasn't making enough money as a brokerage owner, I still had to make sales. And so then for 10 years that I was the was in that position, I was building my own book of business and then simultaneously helping other agents build their books of business. And candidly, John, I would just spread you know, just way too thin. 
Yeah, well, that's a very honest answer. I mean, because, you know, we all get into it. And let's be honest, we've all had that thought. One of these days, I want to be making the money the brokerage is making. You know, they're taking all these fees from us and they're making all this money. Now, you have firsthand experience to realize that's not necessarily true. No, the agent's the, the, agent's the one that makes the money in this business. Now, here's the thing. What I recommend to real estate agents is, you know, when they're thinking like, what what brokerage will I affiliate with? You know, how will they help me? It's really just what you want to understand is not necessarily how much am I going to pay in a split or a fee or whatever the case may be, but rather what do I get in return? You know, so if you look at it like an investment and say, I'm going to give you a dollar, John, and you're the brokerage owner, then I expect for you to give me a dollar in value in return, at least, and hopefully more than a dollar in value in return. And if that happens, then that may be a consideration for an agent to join you. And if it doesn't, go look someplace else. And that's one of the things that I've learned throughout this, uh, throughout this time. Yeah. So basically what it comes down to is not every business is your business. And that's what I call the abundance mindset Sure, is that you're trying to align yourself with people who basically align with you and your values and your thoughts. And if they don't see eye to eye with you and, you know, just say they don't like uh, the fact that you wear glasses or they don't like the fact that I wear shirts with logos on them and they just don't want to work with us. That's okay. Because there's many people out there that will listen to my message or your message and find the value in it. And they may say, hey, I understand this guy. We click, we think alike, and he can help guide me to where I need to be. This is the guy I need to call. Yeah, and I would say, yeah, John, I'd say one of the biggest things that I've learned in life and in business is that the people who you align yourself with are the people. The, if you want to say, like, what is going to dictate your future? It's going to be in how are you going to choose to think? Who are you going to choose to surround yourself with? And those are the two things that I believe are critical to success. And so aligning yourself with people who are going to inspire you, who are going to lift you up, push you up, encourage you. That's what is important to me. That's who I look for in my relationships. And I think, you know, we're all different, right? So hopefully you're not listening or viewing this right now thinking, well, I want somebody to treat me like crap. Right. You know, like that's not good. <laughs> no, right? definitely. You know, but hopefully you, you, you want to uh, you want to hang out with people who are going to make you a better person. Absolutely. Now, there's so many times that people, you know, put up with stuff for lack of better description. They yeah. put up with stuff because they think, oh, this person can take me where I need to go. This person's going to open up the doors that I need to be successful or get to where I want to go. If I break this off. And I don't take this, I could be alienated and therefore I have no hope. And you and I know that's not true, but when a person's in that mindset and they feel stuck, they really believe this. What would you say to a person like that? I'd say, look at the past. You know, I mean, uh, success leaves clues and so does failure. And if you're in a relationship with somebody because you believe that they can help you, but they haven't, then, you know, figure out why. Is it something that you're doing? Is it is there something that they're doing? Is there just a mismatch? When I say something that you're doing, I'm not implying that you're doing anything wrong if you're not receiving the benefit. However, you may not be in the relationship, if you're talking about business specifically, that's going to get you to where you want to go. So, you know, just take a look and see, you know, from all angles, you know, is this a fit or is it not a fit? Absolutely. I, I don't... Um... 
I, of course, I meant business. I mean, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm asking no. you to get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But no, like, yeah, and that's the thing, right? Because sometimes we put up with shit from people because they yeah. think they're going to turn the corner for us. Yeah. And some, and I believe that when you're putting up with that, you're allowing people to treat you that way. And you're telling them it's okay because you don't say anything back. You're, you're also giving the impression that that extra 50 cents you're going to get is more valuable than your own self-worth. And that may not be how you feel, but that's the impression you're giving. And with that being said, you will never be recognized for the value you bring. So to me, that is a clear sign that you actually have to speak up, set the record straight, and there may even come to a point where you have to break ties and go on your own because you will find the path. John, I, I worked when, as a young man after I got out of the army. I worked in, I mentioned to you, the only thing I did before real estate was wait tables and, and uh, military. And when I got out of the military, I went uh, to, back to waiting tables. And I worked for this gentleman who was, um, who uh, was like sexually um, harassed the ladies and treated everybody like really poorly. But he would, at the same time, he would take us on limo rides to the beach he would, you know, throw these big grand parties. And so it was it was almost like he could he felt as though if he could treat you horrifically and then make up for it by buying you nice gifts and, and all this other stuff. And then he could point to the nice stuff that he did and say, well, look, I took you on that vacation. And that was would be why, you know, he could sort of justify treating you poorly. But that to me is is a horrific type of leader. And, um, and, and for me, it's, 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 I don't care what you're going to buy me. If you're going to treat me poorly, it's, you know, I want to be in relationship with people who are going to inspire me. Absolutely. I agree with you. So, and that's the thing, right? So a person is not necessarily trapped, which is really my point. Of course. But, um, with that being said now, like, so now you're selling, you're coaching, yeah. why coaching? Like, I mean, like you could continue selling. I still you know do. I mean? Yeah, I still do. I, I sell three and a half days a week. I um, I coach one and a half days a week and I'll sell this year. I'll probably I'll go on 100 listing appointments this year. I'll list somewhere between 82 and 85 of them. I could get that specific because I track my numbers and I am um, uh, I, I have the benefit of really having some extraordinary people in my life who support the business and support me. And it allows for me to then give back to others. I, I, I've been, I feel, John, I've been so blessed in this, in this business that I almost have an obligation to give back. And I have a commitment to agents that they, that they never have a broke month. So I would say, like, I've had lots of things that I've done in my business that I'm proud of. But the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that I've not had a single month since 2008 that I've missed a sale. So I've had no broke months since 2008 and on an average of 10 sales monthly. And so what I realize is that not all agents have that benefit. <laughs> not all agents are able to be able to, to have that in their lives. And that's what got me inspired to get into coaching is really to say, you know what? I've been blessed. I want to bless others and I want to help others so that they have no broke months. Right. Now, let me ask you, are you a solo agent or do you have a, a team? I have a team and the team that I work with is really heavy in assistance, uh, marketing, client care, and lead generation. 
and very light on agents. So right. we, only, we only have um, in the business, we only have three agents besides myself. Yet the entire business is something like 22 or 23 of us. Right, uh, right. You know, so it's really just taking a look at how do we position the agents so that they do the money making activities? But we call that CPI in our community, consistent predictable income time. And so the CPI time is how do we position the agents so that they can lead generate, they can convert the leads to an appointment, they can attend the appointment, they can negotiate, and then they can practice the scripts of role play. So those are the five activities that make, that make you money as an agent. Every single thing else is supportive to make you money. And so what I see is I see agents often get in a position where they end up making business cards and websites, et cetera, as sort of a substitute because they don't want to do those five activities. So in my business, my personal business, the agents only do those five activities. They're not doing CMAs. They're not inputting things in the MLS. They're not doing all the grunt work that uh, is required to succeed because we have the staff to be able to do it for them. Right. See, you're big into support, which is actually phenomenal, right? Because that's not very common. Well, it, it allows for us, if you think about it, strategically, it makes for a better, more uh, profitable business because your money makers, if you look at the tip of your spear, it's the agent. Okay? Yes. And, and so the tip of that spear is the agent. So if we can keep the agents into those money making activities of those five things that I mentioned then you can produce uh, you can produce at a higher equation, a higher result. And so ultimately, what's most important to us is the care that we give to our clients and being able to spend that time with our clients and helping them to achieve their goals or solve a problem if that's the case. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. And, and I love that, right? Like I really believe in the whole support system and there's too many people out there trying to be the graphic designer, the, um, <laughs> yeah. the sign installer, the uh, sign maker, the, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. they're doing everything, but what delivers, you know, and I've, and I've had that where I've talked to agents to ask me for advice and the vice has advice, not vice the <laughs> advice has been always around the, um, the technicalities and the, oh, well, I need to learn how to do this paperwork for this and paperwork for that and sitting there going, okay, well, what's the client saying? Oh, I don't have a client. <laughs> what do you need to know the paperwork for? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like They're saying it as if it's an urgent rush that they're dead if they don't figure this out. And I'm trying to figure out what's the rush. Like I couldn't wait five minutes, you know, like, and it's like, you don't have a client. Oh, but when I get one, I want a client. And I try to tell them, no, no, go get the client, then worry about this. You know what I mean? Like get the client first. That's, you know, you call that CPIs. We call it here AP, a, a, IPAs, income IPAs. producing activities. I love it. Right? Same concept, same deliverable, just different term. And, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, I, and I think the first thing every agent should worry about is those IPAs. Forget the other stuff. Get somebody else to do it. Or as a broker said to me when I started, was that look at the average commission and the average hours that you put in to get that commission and then see what that dollar value is. If the activity you need to do has a higher dollar value than your income, you do it yourself. If it has a lower dollar value than that income, you delegate it. Yeah, and I agree would... with you. Yeah, I agree with you completely, John. And with your broker when he was he or she was sharing that advice with you. I say it, I say it like this. If you don't have a client, you only have one job. 
<laughs> yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Go find a client, right? And so that means that you're going to spend eight hours a day going to go find a client or 14 hours a day going to go find a client. That is your only job that you have. Every single thing else is supportive of that. Yeah, exactly. So I love that. I mean, like, I'm used to seeing support teams. I'm not saying I haven't seen it before. It's yeah. not foreign language. Yeah. But it's one of those things that you're heavy on that support. And that is rare. Usually, you have, like, 10 agents and maybe one support staff. Yeah. Right? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so you're heavy into it. And that's great that you make the investment in there. Now, again, I'm going to go back to the whole coaching thing. You're sure. building a team. Like you have a team and you're, and you're coaching as well. Yeah. And I see a reason. Have you thought about maybe expanding your team and coaching people within your team that way? It's sort of like kill two birds with one stone. Well, the coach. So when I sold the, so I sold my real estate brokerage in the end of 2000, excuse me. I sold the real estate brokerage I used to own at the end of 2018. Right. And so uh, when I sold that, I wrote a book called real estate evolution which is the 10 step guide of consistent predictable income. I wrote that book. It's 90,000 words, 292 pages. It is a manual for my own agents. Ah. I started the coaching company for my own agents so that I could coach my own agents and I could show them, here's the way to make this work. Now, spending 13 months to write a book for three people, because remember, I told you I only have three agents. Doesn't seem like, you know, like that's a good use of time. Okay. And so though the, yes, my, the three agents who I work with, you know, receive those benefits and receive the benefits of the coaching of, and everything that we put together, it, which is why I put all this together. And then it, it expanded to agents outside of our own team all across the country, you right. know, Midwest, Los Angeles, New York, Florida, um, all across the country. We've got CPI agents. That makes sense. Okay, I get it. Um, now, I'm sure you've come across many roadblocks. And one of the questions I'm going to have is, what was your biggest roadblock and how did you go, you know, how did you basically solve it? I'd say the biggest roadblock that I had was uh, stretching myself too, th- too thin and taking on too much. Um, I think when you're looking at, like, why do people do things? They do things because of, uh, uh, because of greed, uh, largely uh, because of um, fear and those are some motivating factors. So if I was to step back, I would have slowed down when I had the opportunity to buy the brokerage 18 months after getting my license, I wouldn't have, have done so. Uh, and um, so it was really for a long period of time that I was, you know, again, chasing those two rabbits. That was the biggest roadblock that I had. And so I overcame that by, you know, eventually selling the brokerage and then, simultaneous to that I overcame it by finding just some incredible people in my world and then also uh incorporating incredible systems right because it's it's uh systems are reliable systems you know what you're going to get 100 of the time with people you've got to find the right people to align with and then every time you add a person to your organization there's going to be some sort of disruption and um hopefully it's going to be for the better Yet you're going to have to you're going to have to be ready to be able to sort of pivot, you know, 100 percent of the time. But you don't have to pivot when you're just only working with systems. So that's the other piece that I'd say that I would recommend for ages to consider is what are the systems that I can incorporate to, to let me uh, be more effective? 
Yeah, for sure. Systems are definitely, definitely an important item. Now, again, right, like obviously to do the volume you're doing and to do work at the uh, pace you're working, I don't think you wake up every day and say, hmm, what should I do? I'm willing to bet, <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to bet you have some form of process and some form of, uh, you know, like calendar that you align yourself with. Yeah. So what would a typical, we'll say a typical Monday morning look for like for Dan? Um, my first meeting is at 8.30. That's a meeting with my leadership staff. So I meet with them from 8.30 to 9. And then at 9 a.m., we have a, um, a large community of our own local agents as well as agents from across the country to come on to the, uh, the CPI uh, mastermind. And we go through and we review, for example, we just uh, about 40 minutes ago, we just had a conversation about uh, about how to be able to use economics of, of the marketplace to be able to influence our listing clients to make the right decision and how we can get them away from relying on Zillow, for example, and have it be their decision that they can identify that Zillow is not reliable. Okay. And so that would be an example of the 30 minutes from nine to nine 30 from nine 30 to noon. I'll lead generate. I'm either uh, calling, uh, through my uh, through my leads to convert them or um, calling agents, and then from twelve to six, that would be um, you know pretty flexible time. So there's not as um, there's not as between twelve and six. There's not as uh, like a set as it is between eight thirty and noon, and um, at six p.m. I'm done. Six p.m. I'm going to I'm going to be with my family, and I work five days a week. So there you go. Now. Here's the point, like what you described is basically, for lack of better description, the morning you've done what we call time blocking. Sure. You've left the uh, afternoon open for flex time because never knowing what could happen. Yeah. And then pretty much you set time aside for your home life where it's yeah. separate from your work, which a lot of people don't realize how that important that can be. So many times agents get into the business and they think, I'm going to be the best agent and I'm working around the clock. And the reality is as good as that sounds, one, it leads to burnout Two, when you start feeling a little drained, you actually become less productive Yeah, and it actually takes away. And then you start getting resentment. And next thing you know, things that you would have normally did, you're not going to do now because you're angry. Um, on top of that, aside from all that, it can ruin, personal relationships as well through the process so you just prove that it is possible to have a normal life in this business and still be productive which is phenomenal but it's also but to do that you have to be focused during the hours that you're working and you have to be you have to be committed to it um before i used to go in before the pandemic i would go into an office and i'd be there 8 30 every morning when the pandemic started, I brought my office into my home and it's in my basement. This is where I'm standing right now. And my wife and my daughter at, at 829, I'd be at the coffee maker upstairs and I'd be like, hey, I got to get to work. I got to clock in at 830. Right. It was almost like if I'm not at work, in my in my work environment by 830, then I'm you know late to work. I treat it like a job in, in many aspects and many regards in, in that way. So that I'm here at 8.30 and then I'm following that routine, I'm following that schedule. So that at 6 p.m., I've already made the promise to my to my wife. I already made the promise to my daughter. We're going to be out <laughs> dancing on the trampoline, which I don't actually enjoy. But my, my daughter does. So 
I do it. Yeah, absolutely. And things you got to do, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, every business and every entrepreneur and every, you know, salesperson or even successful ones have a moment in, in their business and in their life where they're, you know, going on the treadmill and they're going on the treadmill. They finally get off the treadmill. They build the system. They're starting to do something and they go past the fear because we all have that fear of what if. Yeah. Now they got that past that fear and they got that aha moment, as they call it, where it's like, aha, you know what? This is what I was after. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I made it. I am here. This is where I'm supposed. I like. This is it. You know what I mean? And some people have multiple, you know, aha moments through their uh, career or life. What was your first aha moment? Well, I certainly don't know what my first aha moment was, but I do. I can share with you that I, what you just shared with me is the difference between blind faith and absolute faith. And uh, blind faith is that I have faith that I could do this because other people have done it before me. And it's what I recommend if you if you are taking on something new, let's say you're new to real estate sales, you've never done it before. Well, let's take a look. Has anybody ever been in your scenario right now and succeeded in real estate sales? So that's the sort of the first step. And then once you identify, yes, someone has been a waiter, for example, 32 years old, that's how old I was when I started, and never really had a career, but was destined to be an entrepreneur and then succeeded at a high level. And I and said, so, yeah, that, that's happened. So now I can have blind faith that I can do it as well. And then now I just have to answer the question, what did they do? Now I figure out what do they do? Now I do it. it. After I've done it and I've had the success and I can look back and say, wait, I've already done what they did. I had the same results that they had. Now I have absolute faith. Now I no longer rely on blind faith of what other people have done. Now I've actually done it. And now I have absolute faith throughout my career. There's been time after time after time where there's been those little aha moments. I went on a listing appointment this past weekend. It was a three hour listing appointment. And for three hours, I actively listened. And then for four minutes, I closed and got the paperwork signed. And I left there and I was uh, with my assistant, who's a licensed agent. And I looked at him. I said, listen, I couldn't have done that many years ago, right? Like, because I didn't have the patience. So there was an aha moment that I had just less than a week ago where I'm like, okay, I have developed to become more patient when patience is needed. And it served me by getting a listing that three, four years ago, I wouldn't have gotten that listing. Because I would have been, uh, I would have been uh, less patient. Right, makes sense, absolutely, and that's part of growth. Sure. So now, everybody getting into the business always has this ideal of how it's going to work, and you know they they look at other people and they say, "Oh, it's easy. Look at what they did. They got into the business. They got their BMWs, and most of them are leased and or as I call rented." but they don't know that they think they're all successful. And let's face the reality. 80% of agents do zero to one transaction a year. 15% make a living. 5% are the ones that make the wealth. And out of that 5%, three make good wealth. 2% make the holy crap wealth. Um, so with that being said, um, a wake up call is obviously in order. So where I'm going with that is that obviously you've done very well for yourself and these new agents come in and they think they're just going to make a social media post 
and everyone's going to, the, the phone's going to, you know, come flooding in and everyone's going to be calling them and they're going to be, uh, you know, out of control. They're going to have to build a team within 20 days of being licensed. Sure. And they have this ideal that it's going to be that way. And then what happens, they do their social media post, and where do they get? A few likes and shares. About That's about it. And then they find out their aunt bought a house, not with them, and now they're crushed. <laughs> yeah. Right? So with that being said, where do you find that you generate the biggest amount of business from? Is it from people who know you, like you, and trust you? Or do you find business online with these online leads? And I'm not. Let, let's be clear. I'm not saying that online leads don't work. I'm just trying to point out that where the bulk of the uh, business doesn't come from there, at least not initially. So initially, you're right. Initially, it's going to come more from your sphere, right? But today, I have about one third of my business comes from my sphere and about two thirds of my business is new business. And when I say new business, a lot of that is actually generated online. The, th the thing about this is, is when you start in the real estate, in your real estate career, you have two assets and probably only actually one asset. Those two assets are time and money. So if you don't have money, then guess what? You're left with time. So now you have to spend your time to be able to find the opportunities, to be able to find people to hire you. Then at some point, you start to run out of time. So when you start to run out of time, and we would call that prospecting activities, then you would add on top of that marketing activities. Marketing costs you money. So initially it was all prospecting. First, you know, when I first started, I'd started a BNI group. A week after I got my license, I started a, a networking group. Every Wednesday morning, I, for the last 15 years, have attended that networking group. I still attend it today. So about a third of my business comes from my sphere of influence. About a third of my business comes from uh, online activities. And about a third of my business comes from uh, identifying targeted people, such as for sale by owners, who, uh, who would need the service and then approaching them and, uh, and uh, prospecting them in their, uh, for, their, uh, for the opportunity to be able to serve them. Right, exactly. So, and that's the point though, but now you're established and you're built what I call a brand. Sure. And I find once you built a brand and you become known, that's when I believe that uh, spending. Well, you becomes... should always start. Yes. If, if, don't start spending. Don't start spending. Do not do that. And yeah. if, you th if you think that Zillow is, is, for example, if you think that that is not marketing, it is marketing. For sure. Right? So take a look at the thing. It's like, I've got time and money. And guess what? If I don't have any money, I got to spend my time. If you got a bunch of money, sure, go in market, right? But guess what? When you start marketing, you're going to make mistakes. And uh, you want to make certain that you have business coming in to sort of uh, compensate for those mistakes. Absolutely. And there you go. So uh, exactly. So it's always, you always start with your sphere of influence. That's, that's the main point. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a story. If you'll indulge me. Um, I indulge away. <laughs> <laughs> so when I began, I wanted to go and, I, and again, I'm criticizing everybody, but I made the same mistakes. Like, let's be clear. I got in there and I was fortunate that I had the money portion. So what did I do? I decided I was going to go all in and I spent big bucks, big bucks on advertising and promoting and whatever. And I made the exact kind of mistakes you're talking about. And I didn't even know. I started realizing um, my mistake when I started going to uh, other events with other realtors and, you know, big, big conferences that would show up. 
and a bunch of people would talk to me and come over and all that, call me by name. And I'm looking, I'm going, I don't know these guys. How do they know me? Obviously the marketing. And, sure. you know, so I thought, wow, this must be great. You know what I mean? People know me. After analyzing and digging in, I realized my mistakes. I made myself a very popular realtor <laughs> amongst other realtor. The actual clientele didn't know who the hell I was. <laughs> I'd rather so, have no agent know who I am and have the clientele know who I am. <laughs> right. So what I was yeah. doing is that I got over all excited and I just rushed in, tried to buy my way in. And the only thing I did is make myself popular amongst other agents instead of clients. But I made the mistake because I never went in there to learn it. I just went in there and did it. And by the time I realized it, I'm like two, three years in, and I'm going, what the heck is going on? Now, I've had sales, but the sales came in from my sphere again. It didn't come in from the ads. So then obviously, like not everybody, three years in, you're spending all this money. Ah, it doesn't work. And then, then, and then you know, you spend money into courses and programs and you start learning and you realize your mistakes. Sure. So sometimes you, you need to step back, analyze what you're doing and have a plan and structure in place. So you don't do it the way I did it. I agree with you, John. Uh, and by the way, you can learn from John's mistakes. You can learn from Dan's mistakes. So that goes back into, we don't actually have to make the mistakes if we are, um, aware enough to study those that went before us to say, okay, what were the mistakes that you made? And now I'm not going to make those same things. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I thought that was a pretty funny story. So yeah. I wanted to share that. I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> so with that being said, what, um, what are your opinions on in terms of uh, when starting out, should people be a solo agent or join a team? Or does it vary depending on the uh, person? Uh, it's, it depends on the person. I mean, first thing you have to do is say, what are your goals? Uh, the second thing is, should you join a team or not join a team? Well, not all teams are created equal. So, you know, the, if you are considering to, I mean, you're going to join a brokerage or a team regardless as a newer agent. So either way, you should be asking the question, um, how can I, how can you help me? Right. So like for me, I spent 50 weeks out of the year asking, how can I help you? And I spent two weeks out of the year. It's the last two weeks of the year asking, how can you help me? But if I'm getting in a relationship with somebody, I'm going to first say, how can I help them? And but I'm going to also ask the question, how can they help me? And so it really gets into what are your goals? Um, I think that as uh, as technology, artificial intelligence, big data commoditization continue to play a role in our world, in our business economy, that uh, you're going to see it's going to become harder and harder to succeed as a solo agent. And I think that you are going to have to, um, in the near future, consider to join a team, unless if you're of that, I think, John, you mentioned that 5% or even the 15% that are going to uh, succeed at, either at a high level or at a, at a good level. Um, but it's really up to each different agent, really. Right, right. I mean, I found that interesting how you said uh, that with artificial intelligence, it's going to be harder to sur to survive as an independent uh, versus a team. I I'm not sure I disagree, and I'm not sure I agree. It's one of those things. I got mixed feelings on that, and I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. Um, I mean, here's my reasoning. Now, a lot of things are geared to teams. A lot of things are promoted. There's bigger budgets with teams. There's bigger everything. Um, but where a solo agent, though, there is always that personalized touch. 
And um, again, there's always exceptions to everything. So it's possible that the bulk of it will go, like you said, you know, I, I think even, let's be honest, I think even the whole brokerage idea is kind of a dead model. I mean, maybe not immediately, but over time, I think what we're going to see is what I call the mega teams. And the mega teams are going to be the ones that are pretty much influencing the brokerage. I agree. And, and with that being said, I think that'll be the bulk of it. But I think if a person can find a niche market and can specialize and stand out as an, they can still be that social, that solo agent. And that's why I say there's always exceptions. But maybe you're right. Maybe that the bulk of it will end up, you know, some form of mega team. And that well, either either that or it's going to be a technology based company. Yeah, right? yeah, so which already exists. Who, yeah, you're going to look at who who's going to have the market share. I'm going to expect it's going to be Redfin, Zillow, and the mega teams. I'm going to expect that that's going to be the majority of the marketplace in the in the future. That's just reality of it. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, we're fortunate in Canada. We don't have Zillow or nothing, you know, major, nothing like it's not a big presence. Yeah. But we do have something called House Sigma, which basically uh, everyone loved in the beginning. Okay. Because, of course, you know what? Is doing our job for us. People uh, need to know what our sold uh, sold uh, prices are and information on the property. Well, guess what? Go to House Sigma. They're an app. You don't even have to call us. It'll be right in the app. Well, guess yeah. what? They started off as an app. Guess what they are now? A brokerage. Sure. Same so now <laughs> you just sent them your yeah. clients. Yeah. And your clients are used to going to them now. Yeah. And now they're going to target them. You think they're going to say, oh, that was John's client or Dan's client. I'm not going to call them. The hell they're not. <laughs> right? And, so, and they have the mind share of the consumer today, right? So the, yeah. if they have the mind share of the consumer, then that's where the consumer is going to go. Right. So, and that's my point. So at the end of the day, it always comes down to you got to put in the work. There's going to be easy shortcuts, but there's always catches to them. And, and shortcuts always ends up against your uh, best interest. Yeah. So that's the way I view it. And you're right. Like, I mean, they will have influences for sure. I don't think they're going to be as big of an influence as, you know, people think. But I think they will be there and they will be a distraction. I think the big, but I think the mega teams are going to be the biggest problems. And I think, and not problems, I mean, problems for the solo agent. And I think that's going to be, uh, like, you can find, like, for, here, we got the, with, uh, a team here called the Regan team. And, um, he, you know, he started off as Mississauga. But now he's got branches all the way from, you know, one side of the uh, province to the other side of the province. So there, there's an example of somebody who's already starting to build out that mega team. People who never left the area are now going, are spreading out. So it's not the brokerage that's spreading out. His team is spreading out. Well, you could be more nimble in a team. I mean, because like when I mentioned to you that I've got, you know, more than 20 people in my support staff, the, for me to bring, I can, I can sell real estate anywhere in the country. You know, it's, do I want to do that? Well, right now, no. Right now, I just want to sell real estate in the DMV area. And we are intending to expand throughout Virginia. But I could sell real estate anywhere with the staff, you know, because really, if you have an agent that can lead, generate, convert the leads to an appointment, attend the appointment, get hired, negotiate inscription role play, you can support them with every single thing else. You know, and so as a mega team, a mega team could do that relatively, I wouldn't say easily, right? But yeah. that's within the, that's what a, a good mega team would be able to provide. Absolutely. So there you go. Like in a, in a sense, it's already starting. It's just at the beginning phase. Depends so, where you're at. Depends where you're well, at. That's true too. That's yeah. true, right? So yeah. now here's another thing, right? Like, so obviously now you got the coaching going. 
Sure. And obviously, I'm sure that's a passion too, because as you said it before. I love it. Yeah. I love so, it people. with that being said, new agent comes in, they hear of you, they're interested in working with you. Sure. Describe the process. Well, once a month, I do a five day no broke month listing challenge. And so that five days is I teach agents how to be able to get listings in today's market. These are the same techniques that I'm using to be able to go on hundred listing appointments every single year today. And so, and how to do so without doing the things that they may not want to do. So for example, they don't, you know, without, they may not want to cold call. They may not want to door knock. They may not want to beg. And so that's the first step is to, um, teach them through the five-day challenge. That's a free challenge uh, that we offer. And then after the five-day challenge, we go into a three-day boot camp. And the three-day boot camp shows agents exactly the steps to take to have no broke months in a manner that will say, okay, here is the, um, uh, the way that you can have freedom, the way that you can have money, the way that you can have uh, the, the help behind the scenes of a mentor of somebody who's been there, done that. And we teach that in a three day, uh, broke, no broke months boot camp. So that's done. We do that every single month. So if you're an agent and you're interested, you can go to, uh, www.five day boot, uh, five day. What is it? Five day bootcamp.com. Five, I'm sorry. Five, five day listing bootcamp.com. Uh, I know it. Five day listing, or just just Google my name. We'll we'll get you there. Five day listing bootcamp.com. Fantastic. So, how do you know you've had a successful day? Uh, in business or in life? And either, both. In business, I took a listing. In life, I got to spend time with my family. Fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> Let me tell you something, John. So I'll go on a listing appointment. And my wife, she'll ask me, how did the appointment go? There's only one or two answers. It was either a great appointment or it was a um, it was something in progress. A great appointment, I got hired. Something in progress, I did not get hired. It doesn't matter how I felt about the appointment. I either got hired or I didn't, right? So I define the success of an appointment of I either got hired or I didn't. Right. I had a successful day to day if I, you know, if I took a listing successful day in my coaching business if I had an agent take a listing, right? Like I get more joy out of that than doing it on my own. I know I can do it, right? So, but it's it's helping other people to do it. That's what brings me joy. Makes sense. Now, with that being said, like what happens, uh, you know, on days that you don't get the listing? Like just say you don't get it. Like, does it still give you that sort of down feeling or do you move on? Like, how, how does that affect you? No, I don't, I don't get the down feeling. Um, it's, um, you know, you have to understand that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be more losses in this business than you'll ever have a win. And I, uh, you know, I, I was uh, once when I used to own a brokerage, I brought a big group of uh, people to this convention. There was like 10,000 people in the auditorium and we're at the convention. And one of my guests whispers over to me, there's a gentleman on stage getting interviewed and she says, oh, he's so successful. And I said to her, I said, no, he's actually the biggest failure in this room. And she's like, what do you mean by that? I said, let's talk about it over lunch. We go to lunch and we're sitting at lunch and she reminds me, she says, Dan, what did you mean by that? I said, well, because the gentleman on stage has failed more times than the majority of the rest of the people in these 10,000 uh, audience, which is why he's on stage. 
So to be able to get the successes, you also have to get the failures. Now, will you get less failures as you grow? Proportionately, yes, right? But ultimately, the failures never go away. The failures will always be there. Now, you can choose to just sit there and say, okay, that's a learning opportunity. That's a part of the process. It's just something that's on the way to a win. So if I don't get a listing today, or if I go on a listing appointment, I don't get hired. Uh, it's just something that's on the way to getting hired. That's right. Get it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And no is just another uh, closer answer to yes or something like that. <laughs> it's a part of the process. No should be expected. You know, yeah, that's, that's the thing. You know, uh, I teach in my in my five day boot camp. I teach the um, one of the things that I teach here is, is how I went from a, a F off to a five star Zillow review. And what it was, was I sent out a, uh, an email to, you know, my, my database and I got a response from another agent saying, Hey, great stuff. I got another response from somebody that literally, and they said the word F, right. They said F off. They didn't say F off like that though. All right. They actually said it to me. And then the next one says, Hey Dan, uh, I want to know how much do you charge for your services? I got hired by that third guy and got a five-star uh, Zillow review from him. And I still got the F off in the same action. Okay. Now that, uh, that was worth about $16,000 in commission to me. Okay. So it's like, I'm willing to get the F off because I know it's just a part of the process to get to the 16,000 of compensation. Right. You know, so it's, you just have to understand that as an agent. That totally makes sense. I get that part. I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like not everything's going to be a yes. And you have to know the nodes are coming. You got to build a thick skin, as they say. Uh, Absolutely. So that's awesome, man. Um, Any uh, final final piece of advice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, have a belief in yourself. You know, if you're an agent and you, uh, well, first of all, you know, decide like, what is it? Where do I want to go? What do I want to create? Get a clarity on that and then decide why do you want to get there? Because when you and when you look at why do I want to get there, I would encourage for you to think from the lowest level, from the place of personal security, resources, health, property. Right. Like like that's where I want you to consider rather than changing the world, because a lot of people when they say define why you want to do this. A lot of people come up with this. I want to, you know, build a uh, homeless shelter or whatever the case may be, which is great. But if you can't pay your own bills, let's look at that first. So decide why are you doing what you want to do right now? Decide where you want to go in the future, then choose how will you do it? Because the reality of it is, is you don't have to do every way. There's a lot of different ways that you could get a business in real estate sales and they all work yet. They probably don't all work for you. So decide which way works for you, your way that resonates, and then make that your job. And then you make that your job, you take the action, and you'll have the results. That's fantastic. Now, what I want to do is get into what I call the lightning round, which hey, is just lightning. A few, uh, <laughs> fun questions. Let's do it. Awesome. So my first question is always, what's your favorite food and why? Nachos. <laughs> oh, I love nachos. I don't and think if I you need have to ask why. <laughs> I don't know what I can tell you. Yeah, exactly. Nachos are awesome. Like you like it, nachos with beef, nachos, regular nachos, like uh, veggies, nachos with chicken. Mine is nachos with chicken. 
Mine is yes. Yes, anything. <laughs> Nachos, period. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Now, you're into, uh, obviously, you're into learning and stuff. Um, sure. you, I'm assuming that you uh, read some books. Yeah. What was your favorite one or what was the most helpful one? Um, probably Think It Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Oh, yeah. Common, uh, common favorite. Yeah. It's a great um, book. There's, um, I just finished reading a book on um, uh, Carnegie uh, and uh, okay. Andrew yeah. Carnegie. Um, I, I like to read, um, I like to read biographies. You know, um, Ben Franklin, Carnegie, Washington. Um, I like to read, um, you know, biographies of, of, of historic people, because, again, I think that there's so much that you can learn from those that went be, be, before us. Right. Of course. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, favorite travel uh, spot or favorite vacation spot? Punta Cana. Punta Cana. My uh, my wife and my daughter. We've gone down there maybe four or five times. And, oh wow! And um, I'd say I'd say that's probably my daughter's favorite, which makes it my favorite. That makes sense. Sure. Absolutely love it. Now, um, you have a hobby. What would you, what would you say your favorite hobby is? What do you like to do most on your personal time? Yeah, I've. Um, I enjoy exercising. I mean, I, I really, you know, live a pretty limited life, right? I have my family, my business and my health, and that's pretty much where I spend my time. And so, um, I, um, did a triathlon about three weeks ago. It's the first triathlon I've done since before the pandemic. So I was excited to be able to do that. And, um, I enjoy riding my bike. I enjoy running. I enjoy, uh, swimming. Though I'm not a very good swimmer. Ah, it's a bad affirmation. I'm a <laughs> I'm learning swimming every time I go. That's awesome. Awesome. Dan, I want to say thank you for being on the podcast. It's been an absolute delight. It's my pleasure. Thank you, John. If you like what you saw and you want to see more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for watching the John Papaloni Show.